right, so tonight I want to talk about something that um, I actually kind of touched on it um, a few weeks ago. We had um, we had a youth conference here at the church, and um, an echo conference. Is anybody here that came to the echo conference? Any teenagers? Okay, so you might hear some things um, over again that I had shared, but um, I was just praying and asking the Lord to show me because I knew this night was coming up, and I wasn't sure what to share, but. But after, after the echo conference, this topic and the subject just would not let go of me. And I couldn't figure out why. And so I was just like, okay. And so I already kind of had a few of the notes, but it ended up developing into something else, which is, um, is fine. It's okay. But, um, but I want to talk to y'all tonight about learning to love yourself. Learning to love yourself. You know, most of us, if not all of us don't love everything about ourselves. Can you agree with me on that? Yeah, is there something, you you probably, something popped into your head right away, yeah? And you know, I was thinking about this uh, while we were worshiping, you know, it's just like, okay, you know, we, we as women, but really just as a nation struggle with self-esteem and self-worth. It's hard for us to love ourselves. And you know, society, if you think about it, um, you know, we like to watch The Voice. You know, that's a, that's a cool show where, you know, the, the judges are turned around. So it's not about body image. It's not about how you look. It's about your gift, right? And so, but I've noticed that uh, uh, that's uh, becoming less and less important in, in really even the um, famous society nowadays. Like body image is not that big a deal anymore. And so, but, you know, what what's crazy is that you still have an epidemic of people committing suicide, you know, an epidemic of people just really struggling with self-worth and self-image. You know, if you think about it, some of the most physically beautiful people in the world, you know, I thought about Marilyn Monroe, you know, who took her life. You know, you would look at her on the outside and you'd think she'd have everything going for her. You know, she had the looks, she had the money, she had the talent. I mean, she had the fame. But she still, there was something deep within herself that she didn't love about herself. And and the Lord just showed me that, you know, I really believe that it's an epidemic, not of, of an outward appearance and what's missing there, but it's an epidemic of something that's in our spirit, something that's missing in our spirits. Our spirits are sick, and it's, it's an epidemic among, you know, really even the body of Christ today. You know, Christians today, we suffer, we struggle with self-image. Pastors, pastors' wives, you name it. It doesn't matter who you are. And so I just want to try to touch base with you tonight and try to give you something that hopefully will encourage you um, to um, to change that, that, that view of yourself. Is that okay? Can we talk about that tonight? Um, it's, it's okay if we touch on that subject tonight? Okay. So, you know, again, most of us, you know, we don't love everything about ourselves, right? Think, think about when you look in the mirror, right? What's, what, what's the first thing you look at or you look for when you're looking in the mirror? Things that we consider flaws in ourselves, right? You want to look at, you want to look for those things so you can either hide them or fix them or cover them up or whatever. You know, now think about the, um, I think it's called, uh, What's it called? I think someone, I heard someone call it like the six-point turn. Is anybody familiar with that? You know, it goes something like this. And if I'm the only person who does this, 
then I need to just quit preaching this because this message is just for me. I'll just go home and read my notes. But this is kind of how the six-point turn goes, okay? So it's like, here's the mirror. So it's like one, right? And then two, three, and then four. And sometimes you'll strike a pose. And then... You know, like maybe take a selfie just in case you look good. There's four and five and then six, right? That's the, that's what I've heard it being called the six-point turn. Does anybody do that? Am I the only one? Okay. And, you know, and then there's another thing that I like to call the, the 360. So you're in a full-length mirror and you're just like... Right? Is that right? Or am I the only one who does that? All right. So, okay. So we do that. You know, we, we don't, we usually find something wrong when we do those things. But you know what? Loving ourselves is actually a vital part of one of the greatest commandments that God has given us. It really is. You know, in our minds, we think we can't love ourselves. You know, as Christians, we're taught we're not supposed to love ourselves. That's pride. We're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to die to our flesh, die to ourselves. But but the Bible says in Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And the Bible says there is no, there is no commandment greater than these. So if we as Christian women are not supposed to love ourselves, then why did God put it as one of the greatest of the three greatest commandments in the Bible to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, to love your neighbor and to love yourself? Those three come together. We can't have one without the other. We can't love God and we can't love other people if we don't love ourselves. And, you know, we we think in our minds that, oh, yeah, I can love other people and not love ourselves. But you can't do it. You can't do it. To the degree that you love yourself will be the degree that you love others. You know, I think about people who who um, who are very judgmental, who struggle to forgive other people who hold offenses, you know, who are easily hurt. It's not because of those other people doing things to them. It's because they don't like them themselves. They don't like those certain things that have offended them or hurt them. They hold those same qualities within themselves, and they don't like that. But they don't recognize that. And so to the degree that we love ourselves, can we love others and really love God too? So it's very important that we learn to love ourselves the way that God has called us and intended for us to love ourselves, right? There is a right way and a wrong way to love ourselves. And tonight we're going to talk about that. There's an earthly mindset and an earthly understanding of love. And then there's a biblical mindset and a biblical understanding of love. So why is it so hard for us to love ourselves? For three really reasons that kind of just follow one after the other. They kind of work together, but they're, but they can also work separately. The first reason it's so hard for us to love ourselves is because of wounds and traumatic experiences that we've had in our lives. 
wounds and traumatic experiences. You know, we live in a broken world with broken people who only know how to love with broken and imperfect love because that is the kind of love that was given to them. You know, since the day in the garden when sin entered the world, hurting people have been hurting people and bad things happen to good people. It's a result of the garden. It's not a result of God hating us. It's not a result of God punishing us. It's a result of our sin. It's a result of sin that entered the world and gave Satan permission to come in and have his way. Now, wounds come in all kinds of forms, right? When I, do you understand what I'm saying? Wounds, W-O-N-D-S, not wounds, wounds. Wounds come in all forms, physical abuse, sexual abuse, verbal abuse and harsh words, things like you are stupid, you can't do anything right, you are weak. You know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of you that may have grown up in a home where you, where you experienced a lot of that, a lot of verbal abuse, bullying. Bullying can cause, um, can cause you to feel, uh, lower your self-esteem and not feel good about yourself and struggle with your, uh, with loving yourself. Abandonment. Abandonment can make you uh, feel like you, um, you know, no one wants you. So why should you want yourself, right? Uh, betrayal. Betrayal. Infidelity or divorce. These are some, these are some traumatic experiences or some, some things that can happen to us to cause us to, um, um, to hinder us from really loving ourselves the way that God has intended for us to love ourselves. And again, we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. Again, these are very traumatic experiences that I just called out, but there are also, there are also experiences that we don't really consider traumatic yet they are just as destructive to our self-esteem. Things like comparison. We're bad about that, right? Failing at a task or a goal. Preferential treatment or favoritism. If you grew up in a home that you had siblings and your parents showed favoritism over your, over your sibling, that can really cause some issues in your self-esteem, right? Um, repeated messages that you are not doing things good enough. Have any of you experienced that in your life? Repeated messages that you are not doing things good enough. If you would do it this way, it would be better. If you would do it that way, it would be better. You know, whenever we go through things like this and we don't get healing from the Lord and we don't get a touch from the Lord and we have to live our lives, you know, Christians already struggle through that. Can you imagine if you were lost in the world and had to struggle without God? But when things like this happen to us, it's like we, we look at ourselves in a broken mirror. Have you ever looked at yourself in a broken mirror? It's like things aren't completely put together and things are messed up. Wounds and traumatic experiences can cause us to see ourselves like we're looking in a broken mirror. And, you know, Again, this all goes back to initially the sin in the garden, and now Satan is going to do everything he can to try to wound us and to try to, t- and to try to cause harm to us to tear us down because he knows 
that if we learn to love ourselves the way that God has called us and intended us to, then he's going to be in big trouble. Big trouble. So imagine if the church, if the body of Christ would learn to love themselves the way that God has called us to love. One of the greatest commandments. Think about what we could do for the kingdom of God. And so he knows that. So he's going to try everything he can to stop that. First Peter chapter five and verse eight says, be controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring, roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's looking, he's waiting for the perfect moment, the perfect opportunity to cause an event or, or to not even cause an event, to use an event, to use an event that would happen to us to tear us down. Number two, it's also hard for us to love ourselves because we have a distorted view of self-worth. And so I don't know if you can see how that can connect to wounds. We're wounded. We have a traumatic experience. And then all of a sudden, we that can cause us to have a distorted view of self-worth. You know, God created us with a core need. We are all born with, with uh, core needs and core longings. And one of those core longings is the desire to, to have value and self-worth. Okay? And when that can be stripped of us, or if that can even, that view can be distorted, then that can cause us to really struggle with our self-esteem. You know, in Psalm, um, Psalm 139 verses 13 and 14, it says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. We are created uniquely. We are created to be unique, to have value, to have worth. I was listening to a podcast this morning. Louis Giglio said, if you were a piece of art in a museum, you would be a one of a kind. If you were a piece of art in a museum, you would be a one of a kind. Isn't that beautiful? That's how God created us. And so with that self-worth comes the ability to love ourselves the way that God intended us to. Unfortunately, Satan has distorted the minds of people into thinking that value and self-worth comes in things like perfection, performance, people-pleasing, looks and abilities, success, popularity, and the acceptance of others, relationships. You know, that's a distorted view of value and self-worth if we do all of these things. Um, on the other side of that coin, it could be bragging or the need for self-glorification because others aren't glorifying you and others aren't complimenting you. You feel like you have to do that yourself to prove that you have value and that you have self-worth. Now, some of these things are not wrong in and of themselves. For example, being successful. There's nothing wrong with being successful, right? 
God has given us the gifts and the talents to become successful. But whenever we use these things, these abilities, these looks, whatever God has given us, when we use the, these things to fill that internal void, we're going to find that they're far from adequate. They may make us feel good about ourselves for a little while, but these things, they, they have wings. They're fleeting. They fly away. They don't stay. And so you'll always be needing to do it more and more or will always be looking for something else to find value and self-worth in things. You know, most attempts to find value and self-worth in these ways will fail because it's an earthly mindset. It's an earthly mindset. It's based on works. It's based on works. It's not based on the work that Jesus did on the cross. And what will actually end up happening is you will either feel worse about yourself because you failed, or you will feel completely full of pride and arrogance because you succeeded, because you've done it in the flesh. You didn't do it with God's help. And, you know, this message tonight, if you get anything out of this message tonight, You know, this is not a self-help message. I'm not trying to be a self-help person and get, this is a God help. We can't do anything without Christ. We can't even love ourselves without Christ, without God. And so anything that you do in the flesh, I guarantee you, it's, it's going to fail. Only God, only with God's help. Amen. So again, it can fill you with pride. You know, this again is another, this is a distorted view of self-worth as well. You know, it's not self-love when you do it this way. It's not self-love, it's self-lust. Yeah? You know, you've heard the saying, if Satan can't tear you down, then he'll try to puff you up. And so he will distort, and that's the thing about the enemy. He, he takes everything, God has created everything. God is the initiator of everything. The enemy, Satan, is a copycat. And so what he will do is he will take everything that God has created and done and he will, he will twist it and he will distort it and he will make it look pretty like it's something that will work, but it really won't because it's not, it's not created. It's imitated. It's imitated. Number three, it's hard to love ourselves because of the lies we believe as a result of wounds and traumatic experiences. So we have those wounds and traumatic experiences. Then we have that distorted view of self-worth and self-image. And then the enemy will begin to whisper lies. He'll begin to shape lies. Again, he's a copycat and he will shape lies. He will, um, to look like truths about us. You know, think about it. The Bible says that we are molded into the image of God, right? We are molded into the image of God. Well, Satan will take lies and try to mold them into images of us and try to make those things look like us. So then when we look in the mirror and we see those things that are not created by God, we start to see ourselves as these lies. We start to believe these lies about ourselves. So Satan will use, he will use bad experiences and wounds to shape 
lies to look like truths about us. Things like, I'm stupid. I am ugly. I am not good enough. No one will ever want me. I can't do anything right. I am a failure. I am a mistake. I am weak. There's nothing special about me. I'm forgettable. I'm forgettable, so I might as well just be a wallflower because I'm forgettable. It's my fault that my parents divorced. God is disappointed in me. God doesn't care about me. God must hate me. This is the language of Satan, folks. This is the language of Satan. The Bible says in John chapter 8, that he, Satan, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when you hear these things, or when you you see these things, you look in the mirror and that's what you see, you are not seeing truth. You are You are hearing the language of Satan. It's not true. Here's the deal. Satan is a bully. He will use wounds and bad experiences and lies to violate our spirit. He wants to violate your spirit. He wants to make you believe things in your mind. He wants to violate your mind and make you believe things that are not true, that are complete lies. He will try to violate your, um, your will. And he will, he will try to put such fear on you that it will keep you from doing the, the very thing that God has given you the ability and the calling, the anointing to do. He will violate your will. He will try to, uh, put you in bondage so that you can't be free to be all who God created you to be. And he will try to violate our emotions. And that's what I'm talking about, the epidemic of our spirit. The enemy, because we are breaking, society is breaking out of the looks that um, he's been using all these years to tear down our self-esteem. He's going he's gonna to try to violate our spirits because he knows that's where, that's where the key lies. Amen? So how do we learn to love ourselves? How do we learn to love ourselves? Are you still awake? Y'all are not shopping, right? I really like this outfit. All right. How do we learn to love ourselves? Number one, by experiencing perfect love. Experiencing perfect love. The only way we can experience perfect love is when we experience God's love. God's love is the only perfect love. You can't get perfect love from your husband. You can't get perfect love from your children. And you can't get perfect love from your parents. Only God can give us perfect love. Why? Because the Bible says in John, in 1 John, that God is love. God is love. You know, and he is the only one who can teach us how to love ourselves. 
He is the only one who can truly teach us what real, true, and perfect love is. And so if we don't experience his love, then we will never know true love and we will never be able to learn how to love ourselves the way that he has intended us to, right? Again, it's not about self-help. It's about God help. We got to let God teach us how to love ourselves. He's the only one who knows how. So he's the only one who can teach us. We can't learn it from our parents. Think about it. We've, we probably... Some of us probably have learned some things from our parents, and I know our parents can say the same things about love that probably was not the best the best way, right? Only God can teach us perfect love. You know, it's not enough that we just love God. As Christians, we go to church, we worship, we pray, we evangelize, we read our Bibles, we we uh we lift our hands, we we um we praise the Lord. We encourage one another. We love God. We love God. Do you love God? I love God. But that's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough that we love God. We need to allow God to love us. We have to let God love us. Why? Because if experiences with imperfect and broken love can hinder us from loving ourselves, then experiences with perfect love can free us to love ourselves. Do you see? Do you see how that works? 1 John 4.19 says we love because he first loved us. So that tells me that I cannot love myself and I cannot love other people until I experience God's true and perfect love. We love because he first loved us. When we love our, we can love ourselves because we have experienced God's love. When I allow him to love me, listen to this, then I am okay with what I can or cannot do. What I have or do not have how I look or do not look. Because it's not about that. That's not what love is about. Love is, love is, is an internal experience with a, with an, with an all-consuming God. It's not about what I can or cannot do. And it's not about how I look or what I have. And here's the beauty of it. No one can love me the way that God loves me because God's love is not broken. His love is not imperfect and his love is not stained with sin like our love is. The only thing that God's love is stained with is the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The Bible says in John chapter 15, this is my command Love each other as I have loved you. How has God loved me? Well, number one, he loved me with everything that he had. Everything that he had. Think about it. He went for broke, even though he will never go broke. He went for broke. The Bible says in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
That's how God has loved me. I was listening to the radio today on the way to Walmart and um, the song, there's an, I guess it's new. I don't know. I had never heard it before, but Mercy Me put out a song and it's called Flawless. And the words to the song says, the cross has made me flawless. The cross has made me flawless. So I can love myself with everything that's in me because everything that's in me is Christ in me. Because Jesus died to be my Lord and Savior and to save me from everything that wants to make me hate myself. So I can love me with all that's in with, within me. I can love myself with all my heart, soul, and mind, and I can love my neighbor as myself because this love inside of me is a love for Christ. Because it's Christ in me. It's nothing else in me but Christ. Everything else is flesh and is going to rot. It's Christ within me. Number two, how has God loved me? Loved, how has God loved me? He loved me unconditionally. Unconditionally. Titus chapter three, verses four and five says, but when the time came for the kindness and love of God, our savior to appear, then he saved us. Not because we were good enough to be saved, but because of his kindness and his pity. So it's not anything that we did. It was just because he loved us. It's his kindness for us, his pity for us. It's not based on our works, what I can do, but who he is. He is love. So he can love me in any state that I am in. He can love me in any condition that I'm in. He can love me when I'm high as a kite on cloud nine and the world is, is, um, is at my feet and, and I'm successful. He can love me when I'm lower than the dirt. He can love me unconditionally because of grace. That's the dynamic between loving yourself, your works and God's love. Our love is based on works. God's love is based on grace. God's love is based on forgiveness. God's love is based on the work that his son Jesus did for us. God's love is stained with the blood of Jesus. Our love, our fleshly love, is stained with sin. Number three, he loves me in the way that I need to be loved. I love this part. This is my favorite part. He loves me in the way that I need to be loved. Jeremiah 31 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. Listen to this. I will build you up again and you will be rebuilt. God loves us in the way that we need to be loved in such a way that it will not tear us down, but it will build us up and it will it will set our feet upon a rock and it won't just build us up. It will rebuild the things that were torn down in our lives. Amen. That's God's love. Have you ever thought, had the thought, or have you ever said it out loud to a friend? I wish my husband really just knew what I needed and I wouldn't have to tell him. 
Okay, so you're laughing, so I'm assuming that thought has been a fleeting thought in your mind. But have you ever thought about that or, or said that out of, out of frustration? Oh my God, I just wish he would know. I wish he, I wouldn't have to tell him how to love me and how to take care of me. Well, you know what? God knows. God knows. You know, God doesn't just love us with standardized love. He doesn't love us with standardized, standardized love. Yes, he loves us all with the same quantity of love. But as far as the delivery of that love, he knows exactly what we need, when we need it, and how we need it. Amen? Think about it. Think about those times that God has shown his love for you only in the way that you knew that only God could have done that. You're in a low, deep, dark place. No one knows And all of a sudden, out of the blue, you get a text from a friend that says, Hey, Tanya, I just want to let you know that you've been on my heart and I've been praying for you today. And she didn't have a clue what you were going through. You know what? That is God loving you. I like to call that kisses from heaven. Kisses from heaven. And I love that song that we sing on Sunday morning in worship when it talks about and um, heaven reached earth like a sloppy, wet kiss. You know, we think, oh, gross. You know, that's that's just, but when you, th- that that phrase actually came about when you have a little bitty child and a little baby, and you know how they lean in to kiss you, and they're just mouths all open, and they're just, they're just slobber, and just like, it's the best kiss ever. That's how God kisses us. The best kisses ever. You know, and, and God will do that. He's so faithful. So be aware, be aware. You know, I heard this statement is so powerful. I, I I think about this phrase almost every day that, you know, the problem with, with the, the church today is not the presence of God, but the, or excuse me, let me, let me redo that. The problem with church today is not the absence of the presence of God, but the absence of the awareness of his presence. We are so unaware so, so many times that God is right there with us, that he's speaking to us, that he's encouraging us, that he's sending us uh, kisses, that he's just blessing us. And we are so unaware so many times because we're so caught up in what he's not doing in this area or what we're not seeing happening. And, and here's the deal. He is in that area. It's just, he knows better than we know how it should be working, right? And so in our minds, we think that it should work this way. And God is saying, no, that's not the best way. That's not the best way to love you. That's, that's the uh, earthly mindset. I'm loving you in the best way that you need to be loved. Because when you look back, you're going to see that it's only me that was able to do that in your life. And you're not going to have self-esteem. You're going to have God-esteem. And God's going to get the glory for it. Amen? Amen. Self-esteem is not about us getting glory, about what we can do and who we are, but it's about God getting the glory. And so it's okay if we stay in the background of Jesus. Amen? All right, I'm walking around too much. I'm getting a little 
All right, where am I? Number two. Yes, we can learn to love ourselves by understanding the definition of and loving myself with biblical love. Again, understanding the definition of and loving myself with biblical love. Again, the same love that he gave me, I've got to be able to love myself. Okay, so I let God love me, and then I love me the way that God loves me. It's believing, experiencing, believing, and receiving. Amen? You know, the biblical definition of love is not the same as our distorted view of love and self-worth. The distorted view is based on works. The biblical view, again, is based on grace. You know, how many times have we read the... 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. You know, we're called to love. We're called to love. But we've always been taught that chapter in respect to loving others. But have you ever really read that chapter in respect to loving yourself? Have you ever taken that scripture and applied it to yourself? And I want to read it real quick. 1 Corinthians 13 one through seven. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. And it is not proud. It is not rude. And it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. So with that scripture, let me ask you, let me ask you a few questions. Just think about these for real, for a second. Can you encourage others by not tearing yourself down in the process? Like, do you have to tear yourself down so that others will be encouraged? Can you believe that God wants to heal you as much as he wants to heal your friend? Can you receive a blessing? as much as you are a blessing to others? Are you patient with yourself when learning something new? Can you show yourself kindness by treating yourself as well as you treat those you love and not talking so negative about yourself? Think about it. You have a friend that says, oh my gosh, my feet are ugly. And you and you say, Oh my gosh, your feet are beautiful. Have you seen these vulture claws? You know, and so we have in our mindset that we lift others up by tearing ourselves down and criticizing ourselves. Yeah? Can you love yourself by not comparing yourself, your looks, your abilities, your relationships, your popularity, or the lack thereof to others. Are you constantly comparing yourself? 
Can you extend grace to yourself and not beat yourself up when you mess up? Can you see yourself the way God sees you? Valuable, dearly loved and accepted, forgiven, fearfully and wonderfully made, beautiful and worthy to receive love. See, we need to learn how to love ourselves the way that God has loved us. And number three, we learn to love ourselves by recognizing lies, exposing them in the light of Christ's presence, and renouncing them. Now, let's break this down real quick. Number one, recognize. We got to learn to recognize. We got to ask the Lord to help us to recognize those lies. Those, th- those things like, I am stupid. I am ugly. There's nothing special about me. Others are more important. I can't do anything right. I'm defective. I'm damaged goods. God is angry with me. God doesn't care. I'm a disappointment. I am a mistake. I should have never been born. All those lies. We need to ask the Lord to, to, um, help us to recognize those things. You know, everything you believe about yourself that tears you down or causes you to see yourself in negative and destructive ways is a contradiction to what God says about you. It's an absolute contradiction to what God says about you. So let me tell you this. Don't believe everything you think. Amen. Don't believe everything you think. And don't believe everything someone might say about you. Because they are not looking through the eyes of God. They are comparing themselves and they are trying to bring themselves up because they're struggling with their own self-esteem. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 32 that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So we need to recognize these lies in our lives. And it's so simple. It's as simple as, as just asking the Holy Spirit to show you what are the lies that you have been believing about yourself. Do you think that God's not going to not going to expose those things? Do you think that he does not love you enough that he would not tell you, Tanya, that is a lie from the pit of hell? He will. He will tell you. The second part, we have to expose them. First, we recognize them and then we expose them in the light of Christ's presence. This is so key, ladies. Exposing them in the light of Christ's presence. Again, we cannot conquer this deal, this deal and this thing on our own. We need Christ. We need His provision and we need Him. So when you expose those lies, don't just set yourself up for failure. You gotta do it in Christ's presence. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So when those, when those lies are exposed, you have Jesus with you. Don't go back to wounds. Don't go back to pain. Don't go back to bad experiences unless Jesus is with you. Never go anywhere without Jesus. Because if you go back to those negative experiences by yourself and thinking, I'm going to go and search those things out, guess what? You're just going to leave that, leave that memory with more lies and feeling worse off because the enemy's just going to replay that. He's going to reform that. He's going to, 
you know, he's going to redistort that to make it look more and more like he wants you to feel like you should look like. Always go back with Jesus. Always go back to a thought or a lie with Jesus. Amen. Whenever you expose lies in the presence of the Lord, you position yourself in a place where strength, peace, and the power of the Spirit of God reigns. And the Holy Spirit will help you realign your thoughts and your beliefs with God's Word. Seeing the truth of who you are in Christ. So when you go back with Jesus, you go back with clarity, with clear eyes. Jesus Christ becomes your mirror. You don't have a broken mirror anymore. He is your mirror. Amen? He is your mirror. And you will see things clearly when you look in the mirror of Jesus. Wounds are no longer your mirror. Lies are no longer your mirror. Jesus is your mirror. And you begin to see and and you begin to love yourself from the inside out. Love starts on the inside. You know, we can cover up our physical flaws. You know, we can put on makeup, you know, layers and layers and layers and layers of makeup. You know, we can make our hair higher and higher and higher and higher or straighter and straighter and straighter. You know, we can make our, put our jeans tighter. We can make our shirts bigger. We can hide our flaws, but you can't hide ugly on the inside. You cannot hide ugly on the inside. That will come out. You can't cover that up. And so when you begin to see those lies, expose them, and allow the Lord to just deliver you from those things, you begin to see in your lo- and love yourself from the inside out. You don't see ugly anymore because you all you see is Christ. Amen? And Christ is not ugly. And then the last part of that, you got to renounce those things. You got to renounce those things. Todd has been doing a series on uh, spiritual warfare. And if you do not come to church here, or you've been missing, you know, this, I would encourage you to get the series. You know, we got to renounce those things because that is not a part of us. That is not what God called us to think or believe about ourselves. And so we need to, we need to renounce those things. The Bible says in Ephesians that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not about how we look. It's not about, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, about, it's about rulers, it says, and authorities and the powers of the dark world. It's not against flesh and blood. It's about spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. It's about Satan and his demons have, a ven, have an agenda and a vendetta to get us. And so, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen? The Bible says in Luke chapter 10, Chapter 10, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome the power of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. You know, you think of that statement, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's the scripture right here. That's the scripture. Why? Not because you're this strong person and you have built a wall to, and you don't let that hurt you, but because of the authority that has been given to you and through Christ and the blood of Jesus and the work on the cross, you have the authority, says, to trample on those sticks and stones. And words will never harm you. Amen? Nothing will harm you. 
So we need to renounce those. You know, um, things that happened to me as a child, I went through a, through some traumatic experiences and I had wounds growing up as a child. And those, those things set the tone of my, a lot of my adult years and a lot of struggles for me personally with my own self-esteem. You know, I believed lies that I was ugly, that I was not good enough, that I was forgettable, you know, and, and through those things, I defined love in imperfect ways. You know, I felt like I had to be perfect. So perfectionism was a big deal for me. People pleasing and works was a big deal for me. Feeling like I had to be the hero and solve everybody's problems, you know, bring, be the peacemaker, you know, that was a, you know, that was a big deal for me. And so, um, you know, God brought me through all of that. But tonight I want to just really quickly just share an event with you that happened to me actually just this Tuesday. Um, just so that you can kind of see how quickly the enemy can work to tear us down and to trap us into, um, into trying to destroy our self-esteem and, and how, how he works. But then I also want you to see how quickly the Lord can set us free from that. But last, this, this Tuesday, um, I was at Walmart. I think I'm at Walmart every day. <laughs> now that I think about it. But um, I had just done some shopping. I was coming out of the parking lot. Um, I was at that part. I was at, on the road that's by Starbucks, about to take a ride on Ambassador Caffrey. You know where that is, that exit right there. And so it's 5 o'clock. There's, I guess it was, no, it wasn't 5 o'clock. It was, there was traffic. <laughs> <sighs> I've slept since then, so I don't remember. But there was a lot of traffic, and so I was waiting to take a right on to Ambassador Caffrey to head to Sam's. And there was a car behind me that apparently I was not taking a right quick enough in their opinion, and so they just laid on their horn behind me. I mean, they were, they just, you know, wouldn't let up. And so I was just like, and so I looked in my rearview mirror, and I saw a woman there, and so I was just like, okay, lady, you're just going to have to wait. And, um because I'm not an aggressive driver. And so I was looking this way for the traffic to pass. And so it was clearing up. And so then when I thank God, I looked this way because when I did look this way, right here in the front part of my car was a man. He had, he must've been in the passenger side because I didn't see him in the car. Gotten, he had gotten out of his car. He was an enraged man. He was a demonized man. He had Satan in his eyes when he was looking at me. And he was right there at the front hood of my car. And this lovely man, not of God, began to hurl insults at me, began to call me names, began to, I guess they were his two favorite fingers because he kept showing me those two fingers dropping four-letter words and telling me to go places that I've never been before, nor do I really want to go. I mean, he was tormenting me, yelling obscenities at me, telling me, are you stupid? Are you blind? Blah, blah, blah. You're a this, you're a that. You know, here's my two favorite fingers. And so as he's, as he's yelling these obscenities at me, he begins like a vulture He begins to circle my car. Now I'm in my car by myself. I'm alone. I'm a woman and I'm scared to death. 
And so he begins to circle my car. And then he begins to come to where my window is, yelling obscenities at me. And all I knew to do, when I tell you this was probably top three worst experiences of my life, you know, of course I was scared because of all the, the crazy stuff going on in the state. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You've been watching the news. So I didn't know what this man was going to do. And so I was terrified. I don't, I'm not packing. You know, I don't. You know, I don't pack, you know, the only thing I like to pack is clothes to go to the beach. That's the only thing I like to pack, but I'm not packing. So I don't, and I'm so terrified that I, I pick up my phone and and I'm looking at it like, what is this thing? And what do I do with it? But I believe that it was the Lord that had me do that because I think when he saw that I had my phone, he, he probably thought I was going to call 911, which you know, in the back of my mind, as what I was thinking I needed to do, but I didn't know what it was because I, I was so petrified. And so he just disappears. And so I, I went into the, um, I drove to Sam's, I parked my car and I was literally, when I tell you paralyzed with fear, I, I could not breathe. I was hyperventilating. I could not move. I couldn't even turn my car off to get out of my car. And I knew that Todd was in a staff meeting. And so all I knew to do was to call Todd and tell him to pray. Now, this had only, I had called him within five minutes of this experience. So, of course, I didn't sound like, hey, babe, how's it going? You know, I was crying hysterically. And Todd thought, you know, I had gotten a really bad car. He didn't know what to think. And he's like, I'm coming to get you. And I was just like, no, I just need you to pray because I feel paralyzed. I can't can't even turn my car off. And I told him what happened. So anyway, I get home that night and I am shook up. You know what that's like when your insides are nervous and your insides are shaking. I mean, the whole rest of the night I was crying off and on. I was trying to hide, you know, feeling, you know, um, just, um, violated. I felt like my spirit was violated because he, you know, my, my mind kept going every time I, I'd get a picture of him because I'm very visual. I kept getting pictures of him in my head and I just experience it all over again and get fearful and in my, um, you know, and so it was just a big old mess and I was just so tormented that night and, um, my nerves were shot and I literally, I stayed up till midnight just tormented because of this whole situation. And again, like I said, I, I felt like my spirit was violated. And then all of a sudden, I started feeling these feelings of, first of all, fear, paralyzing fear. Then I started feeling defeated. And I started thinking, oh, my God, I just called the church and had all these people pray for me. I'm the pastor's wife. What are they going to start thinking about me? that I'm not strong enough Christian woman, that I was so terrified and petrified because of this experience, they're going to think little of me. They're going to think, oh, she's not a woman of God. She should have said, you know, she should have stood up and, you know, been a strong woman of God. And I just started feeling defeated. Like I disappointed God. Like I wasn't a good example of what a strong godly woman should be. So can, are you following with me to see how the enemy works? He'll take a bad experience 
And then he'll start whispering lies. He'll distort what you sh- what you think of, you know, how you should think about yourself. And then he'll start lying to you. And so I just, I felt, I could literally feel myself just spiraling downward and could feel the enemy just beating on me. And so Todd went to bed, it was midnight, and I just, I just started crying out to the Lord. And I just started saying, Jesus, I need your help. I need your help. I, this man, this man violated my spirit, Lord, and I need you to heal my spirit. That's the only thing I could pray. Lord, I need you to heal my spirit because I don't know what to do. This man violated my spirit. And let me tell you, let me tell you, Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up. I didn't have to pray for an hour. I didn't have to pray all these huge prayers. I just said, Jesus, I need you to heal my spirit. And then Jesus showed up. And all of a sudden, I started hearing Jesus say, Tanya, your battle is not against flesh and blood. This man did not violate your spirit. Your battle is not against flesh and blood. Tanya, I have given you authority over that demonic spirit that is trying to tear you down, that is trying to affect your self-esteem. And you know what happened? Like, it seemed like just within a few minutes, my fear started to turn into an anger. But it wasn't the same kind of anger as this guy's anger. It kind of became a righteous anger. And all of a sudden, I was just like, you lying, stinking, stupid, ugly. And I wanted to give the devil my two favorite fingers. I mean, I just, you know, it's just like it turned into this righteous anger. You know, you know that righteous anger will trump demonic anger every time. It will trump demonic anger every time. And so, again, like I said, I had kept this, because I'm visual, this man's face kept popping into my head. And so I was laying in bed, and that man's face popped into my head. And I could have sworn I said it out loud, but I don't think I did. But the next time his face popped into my head, I looked him square in the eyes, and I said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in you. And when I said that, I am not kidding you, that oppression broke, that fear broke, everything, that experience just broke. And I tell you, that that nervousness, that shaking inside just left. It just left. And I closed my eyes and I went to bed. And I woke up the next morning and I was back to normal, like it had never happened. But that's how God works. Just as quickly as the enemy can rob us, God can redeem us. God can restore us. And God can build us back up like that scripture we read. He will rebuild us. Amen? So in closing, I just want to take a few minutes. I just want to take a few minutes. And if Maria is here, can you just come and play? There you go, Maria. Hey, Maria. Amen. Bear with me here. You know, some of you, the Lord showed me this week that there's some of you here, even through this experience that I had Tuesday, from Tuesday up until now, I've just really been praying for you ladies. And I feel like the Lord just showed me that there there are some of you in here tonight that have been walking around for years, for years. 
beaten down, insecure, not loving yourself, maybe even to the point of despising yourself, to the point of not wanting to even maybe live, to want to leave this earth. The enemy has been bullying you. He's been antagonizing you. And he's been lying to you. Your spirit has been violated. Your spirit has been violated. That's why you can't love yourself. Your spirit has been violated. But I want to tell you that tonight, Jesus wants to heal your spirit. He wants to heal your spirit. And so I want to just invite you to just close your eyes right now. If you could just close your eyes. Just get alone with Jesus. Just make a space, just you and Jesus. And invite him to come. As simple as saying, come Holy Spirit. As simple as crying out and just saying, Jesus, I need you to heal my spirit. He doesn't need a lengthy prayer. What, what is it that has been that the enemy has been using to antagonize you, to bully you with? What has he been using? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what lies have you believed about yourself. Some of you already know exactly what those things are. Ask the Holy Spirit to come and expose those lies. What are those lies, Lord? Now, as the Lord begins to show you those lies and you recognize them as lies, I want you to do something that some of you may not have ever done before, but I want you to begin to renounce those lies. Begin to renounce them. In the name of Jesus, I renounce this lie. In the name of Jesus, I renounce this lie in my life. This lie that I am ugly. This lie that I'm unworthy. This lie that I'm not lovable. This lie that I'm not wanted. This lie that it's my fault. I renounce those lies in the name of Jesus. Authority has been given to me because of what Jesus has done. I renounce those things off of my life. Take authority over those things. Tell the enemy, greater is he that is in me than, than you, Satan. is with you. 
He's what you need. He's with you. He can help you. Self-help won't work. It'll only work for a hot minute. Only God can help us. A lasting, a lasting stay. Now, I want you to just do something for me real quick. I want you to invite God to come in and love you. And I want you to just open up your ears and try to hear what God is saying to you. He's exposed that lie. Now ask him, Lord, what do you say about me? Like Jesus said, Lord, who do you say that I am? Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And they said, you are Messiah, the Christ. Now Jesus is asking you. No, you ask Jesus. Jesus, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am made in the image of Christ. I have a purpose and a plan. I have a future and a hope for you. Jesus, who do you say that I am? What kind of kisses is he giving to you tonight? He wants to kiss you. Thank you. Now I want to do something really, really quick here. And this might take some some of uh, being brave. This might take a, a, a step of laying down your self-pride. You know, the Lord showed me that whenever I was beating myself up about calling Todd and the, and the staff to pray for me. It's not an embarrassment. There's sometimes that we need the body of Christ to stand with us. But if you are in here tonight and the enemy has beat you up to such a degree that you do not want to be here on this earth. I want to tell you that God wants you to be on this earth and we want you to be on this earth. You have value in the kingdom of God. You have purpose here. And so if that is you and you are really struggling with that, I want you to take a bold step and come to the altar. Come and meet me right here at the altar. Because I can tell you I've been there. I know what it's like to not want to be on this earth. To be a pastor's wife. Knowing that I am called into the ministry. But yet still not wanting to be on this earth because I don't love myself. Because I have not allowed God to love me. I want to tell you tonight that God has accepted you and he wants you here. He wants you here. Please be patient with us. This is a serious issue. This is a serious thing. The degree that our spirit is so violated that we do not want to live is a big deal. Amen. Now, if you're still sitting in the congregation, I just want you to reach out your hands to these ladies right now. And if you are an altar worker, 
or if you are a pastor's wife, I want you to just come and grab one of these ladies and I want you to embrace them. Don't just pray for them. I want you to embrace them. I want you to shower them with the love of Jesus. Shower them with the love of Jesus. It's okay, not even if it's more than one. I mean, if we have some more altar workers, if we can get two or three ladies per lady, that would be awesome. Come on, let's just love up on these ladies. If you're, a, if you're an altar worker. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now let's just pray for these ladies. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, your word says where two or three agree for anything here on earth, it shall be done by our Father in heaven. And we thank you, Lord, that you have given us authority over the work of the enemy, over his agenda. And so in the name of Jesus, we join our faith together. We join our authority together in the name of Jesus. And we take authority over the spirit of death, this violating spirit of death, this violating spirit of unworthiness. We command it to break its holds over the lives of these women in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus died so that they might live. Jesus died so that they might live. And in the name of Jesus, we command this stronghold to be broken off of them right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You are loved. You are chosen. You are righteous. You are called. You are blood bought. You are loved. The blood of Jesus covers you. I thank you, Father, that you are just releasing, releasing your love. Release your love over your daughters tonight, God, in Jesus' name. 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 name. I take authority over that spirit of death right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Their spirits will no longer, are no longer violated. Their spirits are healed, healed, healed in the name of Jesus. Their spirits are healed in the name of Jesus. Their spirits are healed in the name of Jesus. Yes, yes, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love, Lord. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will seal the work that you've done in our lives tonight. Seal the work that you've done in our lives tonight. Lord, seal it with the seal of Jesus Christ that no one can open except for Jesus himself. Thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy in our lives. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Give it, give it, keep, keep giving that glory to the Lord.